I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stu and Blake. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Sitting opposite me, obviously, Blake Harrison. Hello. Hello. How are you, mate? I'm all right. How are you? I'm very, very good. Very, very good. Uh, I'm excited because we've got our first ever fighter from the PFL on today. Who we got? Oh, you're, just, you're going straight in there, are you? You're going straight oh, in you, there. We, oh, yeah, we can do, I suppose, can't we? Yeah, I mean, there's well, no rules, is there? There, there is no rules, but there's there's something very interesting has gone on. So mm. we've got on the show today, Brendan Lochnane, who uh, is doing very, very well in the PFL. He was uh, reached the semifinals of last year's PFL season and uh, is uh, ha- having one fight uh, this season as one is fight. So he's on to his mm-hmm. second fight, which happens this Friday. So it's literally, if this goes out tomorrow, you've got like two days or whatever yeah. it is until the fight. So, be excited, and mm. if you uh, if you can ch- catch it on Channel Four, it'll be on uh, on Channel Four or Four OD or any of those usual things. Yeah. And also, a little trick I've found out: if you want to catch up on a bunch of stuff, go on the Channel Four Sport YouTube page, and you can see a bunch of PFL content on there. If you weren't sure where to get it, but back to what we were talking about: Brendan Lochnane was supposed to be fighting Boston Salmon, which just sounds like something to put in your sandwich um but uh he has pulled out with like two three days to go and now he's got a late notice replacement and both of them are up for points in the pfl if you don't know pfl works in a slightly strange way that they have a, a regular season of like two or three fights you earn three points for a win one for a draw none for a loss obviously but you get additional points if you get a stoppage in the first round, first, you get three yeah. bonus points. Second round, two bonus points. Third round, one bonus point. And at the end of that, out of your league, if you're in the top four, you make it to the playoffs. And then if you win your playoff semi-final, you make it through to the championship night where they have all the belts decided on that one night, which is very, very exciting. And the winner not only gets the championship, they get a million dollars. One million dollars. One Million dollars, and uh, yeah, Brendan Lochnane is on his way to doing that, and he's taking on a late notice replacement. He will tell you, 
during this episode who that late notice replacement is. So is there anything else we want to quickly cover before we introduce? I don't think so. I think we can just get straight on with it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here is Brendan Lochnay. <laughs> Brendan Lochnay, how you doing, mate? You good? Good to be here, fellas. Oh, it's great to have you, mate. What are you... What are you what are you eating right now? Are you in a hotel at the moment? Mate, fucking some bits of nuts, all this weight I've got to cut. Well, I was going to say to you, because I don't think we've interviewed a fighter so close to the fight. You're two days out from a big fight. How are you, how are you? you seem really happy and really well. Basically, not how I expected. I expected you to be cutting weight and miserable, but you seem like you're all right. Listen, mate, I'm a veteran in this game. I've been around and uh, I'm just so used to this feeling now, this... This deep hunger feeling that I have inside me, it just makes me more hungry for fight night. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll get on to kind of the a bit more about weight cutting and stuff like that because with the PFL, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit different. You're doing it really, really regularly, aren't you? And we want to ask you a little bit about that later. But I suppose right now, we're going to kind of take you back to uh, to the start of your career, if, if that's okay. And yep. the first question I suppose we want to ask is, in terms of, of you grew up in Manchester, didn't you? Correct. Yeah. What um, what did, was that a place where you felt like you had to deal with confrontation a lot in in Manchester, and and how did you find that? I mean, do you know Manchester? Yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I've been there a few times for work, and to be honest, I've found it quite lovely. I found it like like London, but the people are more friendly. Um, so, very, but I probably was. That's a very. I probably. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I reckon that I was probably in the nicer parts of Manchester, maybe. So yeah. uh, maybe you'll have a different experience to me as a tourist or someone just working up there briefly. But but so how did you find it then? Well, Manchester's a real gritty working man's town. It was anyway. Now it's become a bit more like London, to be honest, with the high rises. And, you know, a lot of people seem to be coming there. But when I grew up, it was, uh, and especially the area that I was training in, I was training in Mosside and it's the infamous area of Manchester. And um, yeah, I mean... It has, a, it has a real stigma attached to it. It's like they called it Gunchester back there. And um, yeah, we grew up tough. I used to train at a gym called Mossside Ground and Pound and uh, another gym called Champs Camp. Um, pretty famous gym, Champs Camp around the world in world boxing. Um, and yeah, it was real gritty. It was tough. And when I first started, mixed martial arts wasn't even a sport. We we're all just kind of figuring it out. We're going back to 2008 now, 2007. That's when I first started to like, it was just a brand new sport. Nobody knew how to train, really. Nobody knew about different styles and nutrition and weight cutting. We were all figuring it out. And I was there from the start to watch it immerse into something like that it is now. It's insane. How old was you, Brendan? Was it something that your family were like, you know, you need to go and get like some discipline or you need to go, you need a hobby? Or was you thinking, I need to go and you know, learn how to, to be able to look after myself? Like, what, what, How did martial arts enter into that story? So it was my next door neighbour. He used to be a MMA fighter. And I used to always be like, wow, he looks cool. Everyone respects him in the area. He's an MMA fighter. He's a cage fighter. Um, so, yeah. And then I just kind of was in his house watching him. Used to go to his fights. And then he was like, you know, why don't you come down and train? And then that was that was the story she wrote. And I was 16, 17 years old when that happened. And 32 years old now, still going strong. How, how did you find, um, was you a pretty sporty lad anyway? Very sporty. How did sort of martial arts come? Like quite easy? Or did you feel that you had a good structure as like a, a, a pretty fit lad? Like was it something that sort of came quite comfortably? Well, yeah, exactly. You touch on it. Like 
you grew up in Manchester, you were playing football as a kid, you were boxing and playing football. Yeah. That's what we all grew up doing. So I didn't have the boxing, but I was really good at football. And um, kind of got to the point where it was like, right, are you going to pursue football? I was always that, that guy who was always diving in for tackles. I'd always be the first in when, it, when there was a bit of an allocation on the pitch. And I always had that fire in my belly. And then it was like, you know, um, this mixed martial arts came around. I got good at that and I got good at football and I had to make a decision. And it was like, how many kids actually make it in football? Not many. So I was like, yeah, let's go with this fighting thing. It's new, it's exciting. And that's kind of the story she wrote. And how did like your your mum and dad like reacted? Because I always think, you know, we, we had um, uh, Arnold Allen and Dan Hooker on the show a while back before they fought each other in, in, in London. And there was kind of a semi-joke, but also it was serious about the fact that, you know, Arnold Allen's nan was saying to him, like, why are you fighting this guy that's so much taller than you? What's going on there? That's not fair. And uh, Dan Hooker, like, like found that quite funny. And he was, But even he was saying, like, we've all got people in our lives that are worried about us, you know. So when you turn around to, like, your mum and dad or your family or anything and say, I'm going to pursue this MMA fight and stuff, what, what was their reaction? Well, I used to come home from from training when I first started with two big black eyes, like, and then like used to tell my mum that, you know, she used to just look at me and be like, "What are you doing in that gym? Like, what is actually going on?" Um, and then I just said, "Look, I love it. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to pursue it." And back then, people were getting two, three hundred pounds for a fight. Like, there was no, there was no longevity in it. There was nowhere to go. Uh, but I just absolutely loved it and. I've got to give Bugsy Malone his dues. I'm going to give him a shout out. Bugsy said to me one day, and this this always stuck with me, he said, get that good at your craft and what you do so people have to pay you a lot of money to see it. And that always stuck with me. And I just got that fucking good at it that people have to pay a lot of money to see it. But going back, before we get into sort of turning pro and stuff, tell us about your first ever fight. How, how, how was your mindset going into that? You know, how did you... You know, I presume there was nerves involved in it. And how did you sort of stay on top of that? First one, I'd been training about 10 months and I'd been going twice a week. It was a Tuesday and a Thursday. And then I remember coming in on a Thursday evening and the coach just gone, I've got you a fight. It's in three weeks. For, <clears throat> I can't remember what it was. And I was like, what do you mean you've got me a fight? Like, I'm not ready to fight. And he was like, yeah, yeah, no, it's sorted. You're fighting on this show. And then I was like, fucking hell. Like, <laughs> like going to put me in a real fight? And then, yeah, went with it, knocked the guy out in the first round. And then I always remember the real nerves came in the second fight because I always thought to myself, that was a fluke. I thought I fluked it. And then they put me up against this guy. He was like three and all with three knockouts. And I thought, fucking hell, why have, I, why have I done this sport? Like, what the fuck? And then just turned out that I knocked him out again. And I just kept knocking people out. And then when they put in front of me, it just kept happening. And then now we're here. Do you still get that now, though? Like, what the fucking hell am I doing here still? <laughs> oh, listen, mate, you put the wraps on. You put the gloves on. Someone comes in and says, right, you're on in 10 minutes. And you think, for fuck's sake, man, can't you just... Go? <laughs> Jesus, well, I mean, you're, you're certainly a braver man than, than most human beings. I think that that's the that's the thing when when you're doing combat sports, particularly, I think MMA, there's you're just just a bit different. You're a different breed of people, and you're someone that that you've described yourself as like an MMA nomad, and you've said that you because you, you you train all over the world, you go to different parts of the world to train with different people. 
I mean, the, the listing them off, you like you've had like Dominic Cruz, uh, obviously Leon Edwards, uh, uh, Peter Yan, Raphael Fiziev. I mean, are there any big names off there that I'm missing? And and what is there anything particular that you remember from from one or two of these guys that you've really taken with you as you've gone through your career where you've gone that's that's something I need to remember if I want to be a success in this game oh that's a good question and yeah I've been in with world champions all across the board all over the place uh many different countries I was actually living with Dominic Cruz on and off for about six years I'd go back and forward for his camps um that was an experience and then Peter Yan I was training with him for my last fight what a great guy. Really love Peter Yang. Peter Yang is a fucking gentleman, mate. Like, There's a lot of stuff that you don't know about Peter Yang. Like, for example, he would buy... like So he was staying in this hotel, right? And he, people don't know this story, but I tell him because Peter doesn't tell him, so I'm telling him. And like, I remember we was all li- living in this hotel and then he came one day and then there used to be a cleaner and the cleaner used to sleep in the closet. Um, yeah, because he's a poor country, Thailand. And I remember one day I come back and he had this scooter and Peter had bought him a scooter, like a motorbike scooter. And like I said, where did you get that? Oh, Peter bought it for me. But never told anyone. And like, I, I really stuck with that. I thought, you know, for the image that he puts on online and like, you know, the yeah. kid, Peter Yan, and he's it's got a really good art, Peter Yan. And another one I'll tell you is there was a Ukrainian girl that came off a banana boat over there, really damaged the face, fractured the skull. And Peter donated quite a bit of money to that as well without telling anyone. So... Don't let Peter Yan fool you. Peter Yan's a sweetheart deep down. So that, that always stuck me with Peter Yan. Um, but yeah, like you say, been all over the world, trained with all the best guys in the world. And one thing that really resonates with MMA fighters is we don't really have an ego. You can't have an ego because you get punched in the head every day. You just drop it. So like, even when I see all the fighters down here now at the PFL, it's like a big family. We all know we're putting our lives on the line. We're going to go in. We're going to entertain people. And we've got that mutual respect for each other. Like we're all not right upstairs. We can't be to want to do something like this. And we all have that mutual look and respect for each other, which is really cool. Wonderful. You, I mean, you mentioned, you know, not being right upstairs, uh, a, a friend of the podcast, an absolute lunatic, Paddy Pimlet. So you was on Paddy's uh, podcast the other day. Have you been over to, to next gen? I mean, they're, 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 they're scoring some killers at the moment. Yeah, no, I've not trained with Paddy, but I don't know if you've seen the back and forth. Me and Paddy was supposed to fight like five times and, there was loads of back and forth videos you can see on YouTube. The fight never came about, which we talked about on the podcast. Um, but now we're at a stage of our career where we've done it now. We've been around, you know, we've both had hard fights all over the world. We're in two organisations. We've realised it's not going to happen. And we've kind of like, yeah, let's just squash it for the good of MMA, really. And let's get together and give some knowledge out to younger fighters. Love it. Love it. Absolutely. Did you do you feel any kind of pressure being? I mean, uh, you, you've got a few more Brits in the PFL for this season, but I think last season you were the only Brit in in the PFL. Do you feel a bit of pressure to kind of, you know, put some knowledge out there to the the youngsters? Because again, we'll, we'll go on to like the record, for example, of, of your your opponent coming up in a couple of days. You you've got quite a lot of fights under your belt and and, and a, a wide range of experience from. The, the Ultimate Fighter and the Contender Series and the PFL and, and, and various other organisations. Do you feel the pressure to kind of go, the next generation will be looking up to me, especially the UK scenes on fire at the moment, it feels. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Right. Do, do you feel like you, you, you owe the, the younger generation that, that knowledge that you were talking about? I'm just so happy that they've picked up, they've picked up uh, I'm not allowed to say a few more names, but they have picked up a few more UK fighters. And PFL are really growing in the UK. And with me being the first year and watching guys like Simeon Powell come through, he's got two wins in the PFL now. And he's changed his life, man. He's gone from fighting for 500 quid on a regional scene to making tens of thousands overnight. And, you know, we put everything into this sport. I've sacrificed my whole life for it. So now I'm finally getting the rewards. But I'm 32 years of age. I started at 16. I've only just started getting the rewards now. So it's going to be a long, hard journey. And 90% of these guys that start it won't finish it. Um, 90% of the people I... Well, 99.9% of the people I started with didn't finish it. And Brendan Lockney just that stubborn motherfucker that's still here and won't take no for an answer. Um, tell us a little bit about your relationship with PFL. Because, it, it, you know, from, from what we've seen, sort of, you know, looking into it, like, things look like a, it's a pretty harmonious place for you there. You know, it looks like they've been very supportive of you. Tell us a little bit about your relationship with PFL. Let's, it, it's like a mutual respect now. Like, I kind of took a risk with them. They took a risk with me in 2018, 2019, and then... It, it's been a flourish. I've put on Tyler Diamond fights. I've put on Shaman Marais fights where they've just been barn burners and they've really brought a public from the UK to start watching PFL. And, you know, they really appreciate it. If you was in other organisations, they wouldn't give a fuck. But these are like, thank you for what you've done. We'll look after you. You look after us. It's a mutual respect. And it feels so good to be acknowledged for what you've done in the sport by a real organisation. I love it, mate. I love fighting for them. I love the back staff, the owner. Everything's great about PFL. Wonderful. Well, I mean, on that note, I mean, we've we've spoken to fighters that have gone to, for example, Bellator, uh, and they, they've spoken about the the financial benefits of, of going with Bellator, Bellator other than maybe staying with, with the UFC or going somewhere else at, at different occasions. Uh, you've had... I think a great time with PFL because didn't you, is there a story that you helped buy your mum's house a little while ago? Yeah. no other, How did that feel? No other organization does signing bonuses. And then I was at the lowest point in my career and my life when Dana White, I got snubbed on there. And then it was like, where do I go? And these guys came in and said, yeah, give me a lovely signing bonus. We'll give you free fights before the end of the year. And we'll do this. We'll do that. And we'll put you on this channel. And they give me a lifeline. And I fucking grabbed it with both hands and ran with it. And now, look, now now we're just growing together. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned being at such a, a low point with, with Dana White. For some listeners that don't know, just to, to fill them in, you were on the Contender Series back in, was it 2019? Correct. And 
you you won your fight against Bill Algio, and everyone knows on the Contender Series, more often than not, if you win your fight, you get your UFC contract. And Dana White came out and said something to the effect of, oh, you don't have a fight like that and shoot for a double leg with 10 seconds to go in the round, which I think pretty much everyone universally just sort of did a, t- did a double take and was like, what? what? What's he talking about? What? Brendan was like the most talented guy on that episode of the show. Clearly the best guy. Obviously should have got a contract. And there was this very strange excuse given for why you weren't given a contract, which baffled most people. And this is just filling people in. But I mean, I don't want to dredge it up too much because I know you're sick to the back teeth of talking about that stuff. But how how was it afterwards when... Because it, it must if if you'd have lost a fight, you probably would have gone, oh shit, well maybe I wasn't good enough or I just had a really bad night, I need to look for another way. But for you to win and be so talented on the card and that really strange excuse to come out, how did you process that and how did you then get to the position you're in now where you're, you know happy, healthy, doing the thing that you love to do it and you're in a good place of it. So how, how was how was the immediate impact and how did you transition to that better place? Well, first of all, I should never have been on that show because I was number one in Europe for years. And like, I should have been signed automatically. Then they give me the contender, which is for novices really, three and all, four and all, five and all. I was very heavily experienced at the time. So I did, I took the opportunity. They give me the hardest fight they could find, a two-weight champion on the East Coast. So I took the fight. And then I went on there, then I won, then I won convincingly. I ran straight through Bill Aljo, and then it was like, I'd been told, basically, if you win, you're in. So after the fight, I'd been told, yeah, it's a foregone conclusion, sit down, and you're just going to get told you're in. So I did, I sat down, and then I got shouted at, don't think you can come here, don't think you can do this, do that. And then it's like my whole world just left me. Imagine you work your whole life for a moment, earn it, and then it just gets taken away for no reason. And there's more to the story um, that I've heard down, down the years. Um, which has got absolutely nothing to do with me. And it's like, really? Like, I've got, it's a young kid, you've just completely crushed his dream for a very trivial point, like a, a takedown. We're doing mixed martial arts. Like, we're not doing boxing, um, especially after it was such a... Well, was that to do with, like, was that to do with, like, maybe politics behind the scenes then or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I've heard a few stories which I don't want to go into, but, yeah, mm. stuff that, you, you know, it's very, very pathetic, really. Um, and it's like... Whether it's true or not, I don't know. Whether it was the takedown, I don't know. But at the same time, anyone you speak to has gone, lad, come on, you know it's not a takedown. Look at the other guys they signed that night. One of them wrestled for three rounds and you give him a contract. So it's like, so obviously not that. Um, but going back to that point, I was then like, right, well, where now? What now? Like, I've, I'm here now. I've waited six years for this chance. Fuck it. Where's, where do I go now? And then that's when PFL opened the door, mate. And at another point, after the fight, I'd broke my nose again. I was pissing blood. And then I seen the comment, like, you know, you didn't fight hard enough. I went, what do you want me to do? Die. Like, I can't fight any harder. Yeah. Like, I put, I left my soul in the cage. A bit of me was left in the cage that night. Like, there's only so much I can give. And then comments like that really do dig deep down inside, especially when people yeah. never been in a cage or never been in a combat gym and think they can say you didn't leave it all in there. It's, it was heartbreaking. But again... I had to scoop myself off the floor. I had a great support network with my coach and with my mum and with my family. And look at me now, mate, flying. Yeah. Well, I mean, having that kind of emotional uh, uh, negative impact on you from the show, mix that with you just said you were pissing blood. I mean, was there a moment where you just went, 
screw. I mean, even just the health wise, even if you'd have got the contract, if you're then you broke your nose and you're pissing blood, I, I think most people would go, yeah, I'd, I'd understand if you had a few moments of going, do I really want to keep doing this? Yeah, that has crossed my mind a few times, and I realise I'm a fighter through and through. I I look at myself as an artist. I like to paint pictures on people. That's how I describe it. <laughs> but this is all God's given me. God's given me a wonderful talent in mixed martial arts, and it's my job to go out there and, and show people the way, and, and uh, you know, put on martial arts performances to to woo the British crowds, especially. And that's what I've been doing for years, and. I've still not got old, that feeling's not got old yet. So until it does, I'm still here. Where does that that drive and focus come from, Brendan? No idea. Everyone asks me if I go bottle up and selling it, I'd be a multi billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. Um, you, I mean, talking about emotion. Uh, after uh, I think it was after your last fight, you said that sometimes I see you in a, in a, in a post fight. If you say that, uh, sometimes you fight with emotion. Um, what factors? bring on that state, Brendan, rather than, you know, sticking with a game plan and sticking with head over heart. When when you end up sort of going with the emotion and is that the, is that the roar of a crowd? Like, what brings on that sort of state where it's like, oh, it's all emotion? Well, I fought a guy back in the day, uh, Eden Newton, he was from Manchester and he was talking mad shit, mate, like, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to this and that. We had a big tussle at the weigh-in and that was one of my worst performances ever because I was I wanted to kill him. And I was punching, I was missing everything, I was loading up and I, and I seized up because I wanted to hurt this man so much. Whereas if you come in my changing rooms nowadays, I'll have Bob Marley on, I'll be chilling, I'll be lying down, I'll be relaxed. 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes for the fight, you'll, you look at me and you think I'm going to have a stroll in the park. Like, I like to stay super relaxed. And again, I look at it as I'm an artist. I'm not a fighter, I'm an artist. I like to paint pictures and... There's loads of different... You've got athletes who enter MMA. You've got fighters who are the guys on the street that just knock people out. They enter MMA. Then you've got guys like myself who are actual mixed martial artists who are martial artists at birth and like to, you know, perform under the lights. And I feel like with me, I am the martial arts version. But when I fight the fighters, that's when we get the best fights because they're the ones that are gritty. They bite the teeth. And they're the guys that I can really paint my picture on because they're fighting on emotion. And I know what it's like when you fight on emotion. It's not very good. And I feel like with this next opponent, he's kind of there at the minute. He's frothing at the mouth to kill me. So that's perfect. Well, your, your next opponent is Boston Salmon. As we said, in just two days' time, his, his record is, is eight and four. What? Boston's pulled out. <laughs> Boston's pulled out? Yesterday, yeah. So I've got someone new now. Oh, bloody it, mate. We, I, I had no idea. Who, do you, 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 have they announced who you've got now? I just broke the news about a minute before this podcast. So, yeah, I'm fighting a guy called... <laughs> you could have told us! <laughs> We're not on mods now! <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm fighting Ago Husic, a Bosnian. Bosnian striker from the USA. He took it on six days' notice. What a guy. Respect to him. Yeah. I've got so much respect for this fella. He's going to come in. He's going to fight his heart out. He's got the same record as Boston. He's a similar fighting style. So, brilliant. Well, I mean, how does that, because we were going to ask you to put into words for people exactly how the PFL works, because it's slightly different to most other organisations. There's a like a league format, then it goes into the, the playoffs and the championship fights. It's all very kind of like American sport, you know, that kind of like league system. And there's points for first round finishes, second round, all that kind of stuff. In terms of this situation, you're fighting a guy that wasn't originally in the league. Is it? 
points for you? Basically, the, the, the points for you are still going to be the same. They're going to be up for grabs. But I'm assuming he wouldn't get any points or anything like that because he... It, well, he's going to get beat, isn't he? That's why. But it's, uh, <laughs> but he's, uh, in terms of eligibility for that, is he eligible for that kind of stuff? Because he's come in late. Late points are up for us both. Business as usual. Really. Game plan as usual. Yeah, it's all systems go for me. Like he's just another target, mate. Like they can bring whoever they want in. I'm fully prepared now. So it is who it is, mate. It's a tournament. I'm prepared. I'm prepared for wrestlers, boxers, kit boxers. You name it. I fought them all before. Anyway, like they're all just a canvas to me. Um, talk uh, a, a little bit about the, the, the sort of training and that. And like, are you hard on yourself? Like, you know, I mean, obviously you've got a coach that's going to be pushing you and pushing you. But how hard are you on yourself when it comes to sort of training? You can go around and ask any fighter in the UK that's ever trained me. They'd be like, "That Brendan is a lunatic, mate." <laughs> <And> I, gym- <laughs> I overtrain, which is my detriment sometimes. I outtrain everybody, even at 32 years old. I outtrain everybody, mate. I am so addicted to this sport. I'm such a perfectionist. I always want the best out of myself, and that's why I've been so successful. And and the fact that, that, that you know within the league you fight regular. Like, what's the deal with sort of? Obviously, you know, there's there's a weight cut involved, but do you have to sort of obviously sort of stay pretty pretty fight fit 24 seven? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I've got, what, 11 pounds of cut in, in a day and a half with nothing on me. So, yeah, it's always difficult, mate. It's the sacrifices that go into this sport, you can't even comprehend. You really can't. Like, all the training and then the dieting. Imagine training six hours a day and eating a couple of fucking boiled eggs, mate. Like, it's uh, it's a mad sacrifice and I, I'm lucky to have a very good support network around me. Did, did you learn a lot from your first season in the PFL in terms of like, you know, having to fight every kind of six to 10 weeks or whatever and that kind of schedule of the, of the season? Did, did you take much away from your first season in the PFL that you're applying to this season? 100%, mate. Wow, that first one was rough. I was injured. I was fucking tra- overtraining. I'd buy the semi-final. I wasn't asked if I won or lost. I wanted to go home. I wouldn't care. Like, my body would just give up at that point. I'd just been in, in camp for a year with no days off. This year, as you can see, I'm a lot more relaxed. I'm, I'm more chilled with it. I know what to expect. This is my fucking year, mate. You watch. You mentioned that you had a, you had a, you had a tussle at a weigh-in, uh, you know, back in the day. Like, I'm always interested to ask about the stare down and like, is it for the cameras or, you know, are you know you hear people going, no, "I was looking right into his soul." Like, what, what do you take from a stare down? Nothing really. I've, I just like I say, this will be my 36th fight and now I'm just like whatever mate like you've trained I've trained we're going to fight like I don't look too much into that sort of stuff really to be honest and what about on sort of like trash talk and stuff like that obviously you know loads of fighters have always got you know plenty to say for themselves but then obviously we've seen you know plenty of fighters in other organisations you know we're talking Connor and such have just become these superstars from just Talking, 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 talking. Obviously, they can fight, obviously. But that that kind of trash talk and that hype machine and social media, you know, how much attention do you put into sort of the, the sounds stupid, but the sort of brand side of you, like, you know, social media and like and, and media days and being able to sort of, you know, talk to, to, to people like, you know, podcasters and TV stations and things like that. How much t- effort and time do you put into that? 
Yeah, a lot now, a lot, a lot. I've seen the way the sport's gone. It's not just fighting anymore. It's about, it's about 50-50, mate, to be honest. Like, if you can't talk, nobody gives a fuck how good your fighting is. And I was blessed with a gift of the gab. So I can have a chat and I can have a fight. So, you know, it's, uh, it goes hand in hand nowadays. <laughs> and and on Stu's point about like social media and stuff, how do you find that? Because I mean, just in, in life in general, I mean, I have a love-hate relationship with social media. It's great to be able to contact people, do stuff like this, talk to people like yourself. Um, but then there's the negative aspect of like, you do get the old trolls and stuff like that. But also... Um, just the, the, the amount of time you waste on it. Like, I'll go on social media because I want to message someone. And then before I know it, I've wasted 15 minutes just scrolling at stuff. And like, how, how do you find your relationship with social media? Is it a positive thing for you or is it a negative as well? Nah, it's negative, mate. I just don't like social media, really. I, I end up yeah. aimlessly scrolling for hours and hours on end where my girl, like, what are you doing? And I can't even tell you what I'm doing. I'm just immersed in this bullshit. And it's like, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of it. But am I addicted to it? Yeah, like the rest of us. So it's like, yeah. it's unfortunate that it's a massive part of my job. And I understand how important it is for my job and my brand. So I do do it. But if it was up to me, mate, I wouldn't even have it. Okay. Well, look, we're aware that, uh, you know, you're so close to fight now that, you know, we don't want to take up too much of your time. We've got a few sort of fun questions that we we, we like to ask fighters. Unless you've got anything else that you wanted to, to get in before I get to the the, 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 the sort of lighter questions, Blake. No, that's brilliant. No, well, away. Uh, I want to know, post-fight, what do you eat? What's the go-to pig at? It's not really. It's more of a drink, mate. It's more the party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> out, out, mate. I've not been out for months. I get one night off after each fight, and I make the most of it. Is that literally it? Like, well, Obviously, I know we, we spoke about the fact that you fight so regular like in PFL. So is it like one night and then back to it? One night and I'm back in the cage again in six weeks. So, yeah, I can't afford to be having two weeks of partying, mate. It catches up with you, especially at my age. Fuck me, that must be a big night. <laughs> it's never <laughs> what you think, mate. I try my best, but I'm always knackered from the fight. Yeah. Um, If you could fight any fighter, past or present, who would it be? I get asked this all the time and I, I don't have an answer for that. I really don't. I'm like... Don't really look at it like that because I have fought so many good names. It's like I don't really look at that. When when you were sort of uh, you saying you got in it with your neighbour uh, who, who was fighting, who were like the people that you were watching on TV that inspired you? Aldo's, Anderson Silva's. Um, who else was good back then? Yeah, they, it was more Aldo. I really liked though. I liked his style, like the way he fought, the way he looked at the ground. He was scary. And I, yeah, I was a Jose Aldo fan growing up. He was like my main one. Yeah. I mean, he's still on a tear right now, isn't he? <laughs> uh, unbelievable. You forget that he's as young as he is. I mean, Aldo's what, like 32, something like that? I don't know. He's, 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 he's super young, Aldo. Um, but, um, Brendan, talking about like Aldo, two people that have beaten Aldo and kind of usurped him in terms of like, being featherweight greats and featherweight champions are about to fight again in in a few weeks, and that's Alexander Volkanovski and Max Holloway. How do you see that fight going? Tough man, them two are so you could not get two more evenly matched guys in the world. Like yeah. it's a coin flip. Whoever shows up better on the night with that one, it really is. Do you think there's any pathways to victory to, to for either of them that are like? 
kind of obvious or that a lot of people miss or anything Absolutely like that? Absolutely not, mate. Them two are so equally matched. Yeah. They've already spent 50 minutes in the cage with each other. They know each other inside out. It's going to be incredible to watch the third. Um, tell us a little bit about the UK scene at the moment. Who's exciting you that's coming through? Uh, Arnold Allen's flying. Mohamed Makaya from Manchester. Shout out to yeah. Tom Aspinall. Leon Edwards fighting for the belt now. What a great time to be a British mixed martial artist, eh? Ain't it? <laughs> Absolutely. And a great time to be a British MMA fan because the PFL is coming to the UK. I think it's August 13th in Cardiff, August 20th in London. And there'll be, I'm assuming, the, the, the playoffs uh, of the, the PFL. So whoever's the top four in the PFL leagues for each division, they will then go into the playoffs. Obviously, you're very much expecting to be part of that. How excited are you about the thought of bringing the PFL to the UK and fighting on UK soil in the PFL? Really happy, mate. It's about time they have to get a flight to me. I've been getting flights over here for years now. Buzzing, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Well, look, Brendan, thanks so much for your time, mate. Best of luck at the weekend, man. Uh, Can't wait to see you fight. And, yeah, thanks again, brother. It's been a real, real joy. Yeah, Yeah, thank you, lads. Much appreciated. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Cheers, boys. There you go, Brendan. Uh, what an absolute gen. Uh, best of luck. Uh, obviously, fighting is it maybe tomorrow, maybe tonight. Depends when this episode comes out. Um, that was a great little chat, wasn't it? That was a great chat. And he's had such a an interesting career. Very up and down. He's a very, very talented fighter. Um, and it was through, as he pointed out, one of the lowest points of his career, that Dana White Contender Series, that actually ended up being a huge positive for him, I think, because it was from that that people knew who he was. Because I remember listening to uh, other MMA podcasts and stuff like that back in 2019 and being like, who's Brendan Lochtain that they're talking about? And it was all talking about the situation on the Contender Series. And from then, that is when I really went, oh, let me really start following this guy's career a bit more. And I think it opened him up to a lot of people because of that and I think that probably had a huge part to play in the PFL coming in for him as he said the PFL give you signing bonuses and stuff like that and then obviously he'll be on his his regular purse for the fights as well as if he wins the whole thing a million dollars one thing we didn't ask him is whether you do show and win money but I bet you don't in the PFL but I'm not sure but it just seems like a fina- another financially great place for fighters to be. Obviously, the UFC, we all know, has, you know, all the glitz and glamour, the stardom. And if you make it there, you can, you know, it's what an a- achievement it can be. And the, the financial benefits of being a champion in the UFC are huge. But there's a lot of people talking about if you're a very, very talented fighter, but you're not getting the breaks and all that stuff we've heard Corey Anderson talk about it Brett Johns talk about it all these other people that have gone to for example Bellator have spoken about the benefits of that you look at like Demetrius Johnson going to one championship earning an absolute fortune over there there are great financial rewards for fighters in other organisations and Brendan Lochnane has clearly benefited massively from going to the PFL and was on a vastly bigger contract with the PFL than what he would have been had he got in uh, to the UFC via the Contender Series. so And it's just great to see fighters earning good money, doing well. They have such a short career. And it's great to see talented fighters like Brendan doing really well and being able to provide for their families and lovely things like helping buy his mum's house. 
Absolutely, and 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 also things like Bellator and uh, just a general rise in in in, in MMA, and uh, you know it's becoming such a huge sport now. And one of the benefits of that is things like the BBC showing Bellator and now Channel Four showing PFL. So you've got no excuses. You know, go get stuck into the league. Go find out all about PFL. And you know, aside from Brendan, you know you're going to get to see fighters like. Who we got over there now? Uh, Rory McDonald. Um, we've got um, Anthony, Anthony uh, Pettis, Pettis is over there now, and he's Jeremy. about to fight uh, Stevie Ray. Stevie Ray. If you don't, if yeah. you remember Stevie Ray, Scottish uh, Scottish lad, he hasn't fought in a while. Was in the UFC for a long time. Uh, Stevie Ray's fighting Anthony Pettis on the same card, I believe, as, as the Brendan Lockname fight. Um, and also Jeremy Stevens is over there yep. now, and um, one of the probably the biggest name in. Um, in the PFL and one of the most talented women that people think could could beat the likes of, of Nunez, Cyborg, people like that, people clamoring for these fights is Kayla Harrison. Kayla Harrison is a huge name over in the PFL. She's at lightweight, but I think she has fought at featherweight once once before. So people have been clamoring for her to fight the likes of Cyborg, Amanda Nunes before her loss to Juliana Pena. And we will have to see what happens there. But obviously, Kayla Harrison is doing a phenomenal thing for her family and her bank balance by staying in the PFL and smashing her way through to a million dollars at the end of every season. So you can't knock that. I think Clarissa Shields is in PFL as well. She is. She is, yeah. yeah. And she was like a boxing champion that moved over to MMA. Legit killer, yeah. Um, so yeah, and you can watch it all on Channel Four. Uh, also, should say if you like hearing us speaking to uh, UK mixed martial artists, go get stuck in. I mean, uh, at the end of the episode, obviously you were Brendan mentioned Tom Aspinall, Paddy Pimlet, uh, who else Arnold Allen. Arnold Allen. Uh, Arnold's been on a couple of times. Tom's been on. Uh, Paddy's been on a couple of times. Molly, uh, a stack of the, the the gang from Next Gen have been on. Uh, all all of your your, your favourite fighters and some of your, your you know your ex fighters like Dan Hardy and and refs like Mark Goddard. They've all been on this podcast. Legends like Michael Bispin. You know we've had international superstars like um, as we touched upon as well on, on the episode. Volkanovski's been on. Great chat with the champ. Any more? Who've I missed? Tyron Woodley. Uh, I don't know. There's, there's plenty. There's plenty. Yeah. Just go and check them out, guys. Go and flick through the back catalogue and check out who we've had on. Because we've had a real who's who of not just UK, but also international MMA as well. And go and check out those episodes. Absolutely. Don't miss out on anything. The best way you can do that is subscribe to the podcast. Other than that, keep up to speed with us on the socials because we're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Give us a follow uh, and yeah, you'll uh, you'll stay up to date on not just the episodes, but we pop up all sorts of bits and pieces about what's going, in, uh, going on in the world of MMA. <sighs> we back next time? Back next time. Bye. Bye.